Welcome to episode number 145 of the Zero Giants podcast. It's a, a double podcast week. Um, I wanted to get out the, the the last of the player interviews I had with some guys from Richmond before we got too far away from the season. So I recorded both of these earlier in the month, and I just haven't gotten around to putting them on a show yet. So I'm going to sort of end my, my Richmond summer uh, with interviews with first baseman Logan Wyatt and pitcher Will Jensen. And I guess I should say that uh, today's musical introduction, uh, so sad about us, has nothing to do with these players who both had very happy, happy seasons, uh, but was more of a statement on general Giants baseball. Uh, although I guess both of these guys did end their year by getting swept out of the Eastern League playoffs. So a little bit of sadness, but on the whole, <laughs> both of them had extremely uh, happy and productive seasons. Um, but before I get to them, I will say that uh, their Giants is entirely subscriber supported Uh, my readers allow me to get out to the stadium and do all the things i do Um, and as we head into the off season of course we're going to get into rankings and depth charts and reviews and previews all kinds of great off season stuff so now's a good time to become their giant subscriber if you love the podcast you'll probably enjoy the newsletter as well Uh, and with that um let's get to our players i'm going to start with First baseman Logan Wyatt, who was the second player ever drafted in the Farhan Zaidi regime, the second round pick of the 2019 draft, a college teammate of Tyler Fitzgerald, who has um, very happily just made his major league debut. Fitzgerald was actually taken two rounds after Wyatt. Um, Injuries have played a big role in uh, slowing down Wyatt's development since the pandemic. Uh, He's had hand injuries he talks about. Uh, but he's also undergone quite a transition as a hitter, uh, going from a guy who was really very patient to someone who is trying to tap into more of his uh, uh, substantial raw power. And he talks about kind of the mental journey uh, into making those changes um, very successfully. He had a, a career-high 17 home runs this year after having hit just five uh, in, in his previous career combined. So he talks about kind of making that mental transformation as a hitter and his baseball journey uh, overall. So here is 2019 second-round pick Logan White. Logan White, thanks so much for taking a little time to chat with me. Uh, you guys just came off the road, and it seems like Hartford was a pretty good place for hitters, was it? Oh, yeah. Hartford was awesome. You could see the ball great. You know, the right field porch was pretty short, and it seemed like the ball was pretty much flying in every direction, so we had a good week as a team. You hit a ball entirely out of the stadium. I mean, you are a big guy. You, you're just looking at you from a distance, you're like, well, this guy's got a lot of power. That hasn't always been a huge part of your game, but this year it's really exploded. Can you kind of take me through the evolution of learning to go from being a good hitter to learning to hit for power? Yeah, so for me, it was always, you know, plate discipline, you know, having a good eye, uh, not striking out a ton and walking quite a bit. Um, And as I've kind of grown through my career, I've noticed to hit for power, you have to be more aggressive. And what comes with being more aggressive is, you know, more chase, you know, more strikeouts. But... As long as you're walking and being aggressive, I think that's how power comes. Because if you're aggressive, 
they're going to throw it in the zone. If you're ready to swing, you're going to hit it hard. And that's kind of been my, you know, thought process and plan all year. So, Because power basically lives out in front of the plate. That's what you're talking about, right? Yes. So you have to go get it, and that's going to lead you to some swing and miss. How do you balance the two things? After spending a lot of time as being a sort of on-base guy, you know, patient at bats, how do you balance when to be aggressive, when to be patient? Yeah, for me, uh, bringing that balance in was picking certain situations to have that aggressiveness. You know, there's say nobody's on 2-0 or, you know, there's runners on and it's a 2-0 count, you know, I'm going to get my swing off and, you know, whatever happens, happens. But picking, like I said, picking situations, certain counts to be more aggressive and then on the flip side, picking situations where maybe you see the ball a little deeper, you know, try to get it, move somebody over, whatever it may be. But, yeah, that's kind of how I found the balance. You're a natural right-hander, I assume, because you throw right-handed. Have you always hit left-handed? When did you when did you pick that up? Yeah, I know, always hit left-handed. My dad, he said he kind of wanted it that way. He made me throw right, hit left, because he thought it, I, I don't remember what he said, looked the best maybe, <laughs> but, yeah, that, I've always done that. He knew lefties got further in this game. But <laughs> 100%, 100%. <laughs> Um, I mean, part of part of the the your development as a pro has just been um, you had these three years where it was kind of a struggle to get on the field. We had obviously the COVID year, and then each of the last two years, I mean, particularly last year, you were you were in Arizona more than you were anywhere else. Um, what was that period like? Just dealing with health, trying to get on the field. I'm sure it was frustrating. How did you deal with three years of not getting the reps that you wanted to be? Yeah, it was very frustrating. You know, I, I had hand problems for a couple years, and, you know, I had surgery at the end of 21, and then I was out all year last year for it, and it was, you know, really tough. Like you said, I was in Arizona a lot. Just trying my best to get healthy and get back on the field. You know, it seemed like nothing worked. Um, you know, finally this year, it, I, it felt good, and I was able to play, and now we're coming on the end of the season, and I'm still here. So it's a blessing, and, you know, but, yeah, those three years were tough, but I think they made me, you know, tougher mentally. And, you know, now I can – it just made me stronger, I'd say. So. I mean, obviously hand strength is an important part of being a hitter. Yeah. You can't really hit the ball hard yeah. if you don't have your hands with you. Um, one cool thing that you were able to do in 2020 um, was, obviously, the Bourbon Trail. Uh, you know, Pelf and some people put together yeah. a little four-team league that you played in. Um, a lot of people had trouble just – finding finding reps that year what was that summer like for you it was awesome i remember we played uh we played about an hour and a half from my house so i would only play on the weekends and then i would just train on you know monday through friday and then i would drive out there on the weekends like i said and i, I got to play like two three games a week or a weekend every week for a little while which was really nice you know not because most people didn't get to play and i got to get some reps in and so, yeah, it was really cool. Got to play for Pelf, who's now the manager here, which was awesome. So, You've got to spend a lot of your kind of life close to home. Um, you grew, you're a Kentucky guy. You went to Louisville. Was Louisville your, your like, college growing up? Uh, yeah, yeah. My dad was actually a Kentucky basketball oh, fan growing go. up. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, it was always my dream school. It was, like, 25 minutes from my house, and they were always really good. So, yeah, it was always my dream to go there. And that's obviously, you know, one of the great baseball programs in the country. You played with guys who were in the majors right before you were in the You know, there's a lot of talent coming out of there. Do guys, when you're in the offseason, do you, like, get together either at the school or with, with other kind of Cardinals and do your offseason training? Yeah, so I go – I 
this past off season, I was in Arizona, and I would go home for the holidays for a couple weeks at a time and train with a couple guys there. You know, one of the guys, Jake Snyder, who's in the Rockies organization now. I think Will Smith was there a couple times. Oh, yeah. um, Drew Ellis. Um, but yeah, I always got. Catchers. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I got to train with a couple guys, and yeah, it was always cool to see them and work with them for sure. You were one of the guys who. Uh Went out to Papago in the winter. Uh, I know Tyler Fitzgerald, yeah. another Louisville guy, kind of moved out there. Yeah. Uh, because they got that great facility, that's mm-hmm. something that more and more players of the system are doing. Is it true? Oh, for sure. The facility is amazing. Papago is unbelievable. Um, so, yeah, I, I got to go and stay out there this off season, train there, and it was awesome. What's it like getting kind of like, I mean, in the season, there's a lot of people on the team. There are a couple of coaches. You're in the moment kind of thing. When you go there for the winter, you have more individual time with the with the coaching staff to actually educate yourself or, or, or work on things. What is that experience like, being able to work with the giant staff away from game time? Yeah, it's awesome because, you know, obviously the off season's time to get better. And, you know, going there and training with those coaches, you know that you're getting better because we put our trust in them and, you know, they do our, their best to help us. And, you know, I trust them, like I said, and I felt that I – got a lot better working with them this offseason. What kind of things do what, players always talk about learning about their swings. What does that mean, kind of like when you think about it, and what sorts of things have you been learning about your swing over, over the last year as we've seen kind of a, a new version of you come out? Yeah, for me it wasn't really like a whole lot of swing mechanics. It was more timing in my approach. Like I said, for me, like I said earlier, was I was always – a passive hitter and I wasn't aggressive so my main focus is timing and being aggressive and that's what I worked on a lot this offseason and you know talking with the coaches and stuff and we kind of formed a plan that you know I think would work best for me and it and it it did so when you say timing you're talking about how you get ready and kind of the the cues of the of of when the pitch is happening uh so for me timing is like when I start my load when the pitcher is in a certain point in his delivery. And that's each time I step in the box, I'm trying to start when a pitcher gets to a certain point. And I found that that is simple and it works for me. So as we're getting towards the end of the year, you've got, like, for once, uh, you know, a full healthy year. What are you taking from what's happened these six months into the winter? Like, what are you going to think about working on next, do you think? For me, it's just going to be... Focusing on that aggressive approach and trying to stay as disciplined as possible and put those both worlds together because I feel like to be a really dangerous hitter is somebody who can stay aggressive and hit the ball of the yard but not chase pitches. So I want to continue to focus on that, you know, work that into my approach and and, and just roll with that. It's been kind of a long, a long haul for you to get here, as we talked about, uh, for those three years. But now you're getting up close to the top. You're double A, you're close to triple A, you're triple A, you're close to the majors. Um, does that impact your thinking at all? Do you start saying, oh, I got friends, I got buddies, I got teammates who I'm watching on the TV? How does that impact your either eagerness or, or preparation or dedication as you see, like, the guys who are your, your friends, you know, getting to that top level? Yeah, it's always exciting to see them go up and, you know, see that they're having success up there. It kind of lets you know that you're, you're capable of that as well, but I, I try not to think about it, and I just try to play good baseball wherever I'm at. And, 
you know, let the results take care of themselves. So that's the thing athletes can do that like normal human beings don't understand at all. Right? Because <laughs> we're always worrying about the stuff we can't control. Yeah. Uh, it's a real special skill. Uh, so aside from your development, the last two years, uh, I'm pretty sure you weren't able to partake in either of Eugene's playoff runs. I know you didn't last year. And I don't think you did the year before. No. You're in a playoff chase where you're here every day. Um, how much does that mean to you uh, as a competitor? What are you looking forward to in these, these last two weeks? Yeah, so I, I have a couple guys on his team who've played in the playoffs, and they say it's one of the coolest things they've done. Um, and, you know, to me that's inspiring because I would love to experience it. You know, obviously, like you said, I haven't got to experience it yet, so I'm really excited, and I think we're in a good spot right now. And it, I, I, I would love to play in the playoffs and win. That would be awesome. Were you in the in the College World Series or the regionals at Louisville? Yeah. Year last year? So I got to go to Omaha my freshman year and junior year, and to me that was one probably the coolest thing I've ever experienced in my life. So if it's anything like that, I, I'm super excited. It's really cool here because, as you know, they get incredible crowds in this incredible. place. And when they fill this place up, the energy is yeah. pretty extraordinary. It's awesome. Um, well, you know, I'm rooting for you. I hope all you guys get to experience that this year. And, and fantastic season. I can't see, wait to see where it goes from here. Thank you, man. Thank you. I appreciate that. All right. Okay, I'm, I'm really going to have to turn off the, <laughs> the fan in the dugout uh, next year when I do these interviews. Uh, that's just uh, It is a noisy environment, but again. Hopefully the quality of the interviews uh, overcomes that small issue. Um, my next interview is with a player who was not drafted by the Giants at all. He was an undrafted free agent. He had uh, ironically been drafted the year before, um, coming off an injury, but returned to college thinking he could put himself in a better position, and then, want want the pandemic hit. Uh, but Will Jensen has really done nothing but get outs at every level since he has signed with the Giants. Um, really kind of a sneaky pitching prospect. He was, uh, for for pitchers who, who threw as many innings as he did, I think he led the Eastern League in ERA this year. Um, whatever role you put him in there, he seems to... Um, get out. Uh, so it, it, it's it's fun to watch him pitch. Not not the wow stuff, but he really gets results. Uh, and he's had a pretty interesting baseball journey himself, coming from you know uh, Utah, which is not generally a baseball hotbed, um, but he's turned himself into a real a real pitching prospect. So here is undrafted free agent Will Jensen. Well, Jensen, uh, first off, let me just congratulate you on the great year you're having. Um, you. One of the things I do on my side is I always do stats stuff and leaderboards. And, and if I set it at 70 innings, you're actually leading the Eastern League in ERA right now, Let's which go. is like <laughs> there's some dudes in this league. Um, that's pretty good. How do you feel about how the year's gone? I feel great. First, thanks for having me on here. I appreciate it. Oh, um, and I, I feel really great about it. I've, I've gone through some... Um, you know, some, some thinking about, you know, moving from starter to reliever out of the bullpen, and it's been a little bit of a change, um, but, it, you know, once I got settled in, I felt I felt comfortable, and I felt, um, you know, that ability to go out there and, and, and just kind of give it your all for those shorter amount of innings is, you know, it seems like it's become something I've gotten used to and I enjoy, if that makes sense. So. Well, let's go, since you bring that up. That's something you've been kind of like swinging back and forth your yep. whole career from San Jose on. Yep. It's like, now you're in the bullpen, now you're in the rotation, yeah. <laughs> now you're in the bullpen. Which do you like better, and how hard is it to go back and forth like no, that? No, um, I mean, 
you'll hear a lot of guys in the bullpen. Um, we've all been starters in the past, um, maybe in college or our first few years of the minors. And, and uh, for me, obviously, I would love to be a starter. I think the ability to, you know, know when you're going to throw and plan your um, your throwing and your schedule around that day you're going to throw is, is very nice. So whenever I do get the chance to do that, I, I enjoy it a lot. Um, but luckily this year with being a, a, a long relief guy, I've kind of known um, when I was going to pitch as well, some somewhat, uh, based on how many the starter, how many innings or pitches the starter was going to go. So it felt very similar, um, minus the few times you come in with guys on base, added pressure for sure. Uh, but yeah, I, I enjoy both a lot. And to be to be honest, I just I love pitching, you know. So that's kind of you, you have to to be in this gig. So I mean, you know, I mean, I don't know how outside of like what's going on with Richmond you get, but but the organization is kind of breaking down a lot of those traditional yeah. roles, and guys are floating back and forth a lot I've more noticed, than they I've used noticed. to. Yeah. Uh, so maybe doing both kind of helps get you ready for that mentality going forward. I, basically. The way I see it is, yeah, I, I, I just want to play in the big league someday, you know, and, and, and whatever role that is for me out of, out of the pen or as a starter or as a long relief, like, I'll do it, you know, and try to just and try to give it my best, you know, whenever I do get out there. So so this is your second second partial year here in Richmond. Yeah, yeah. Last year you started in Eugene and really dominated that level. Then, you know, as is not unusual, you get up here and it's hard to sustain that level of performance. What were the things that... What was your transition like to Double A? Yeah, one of my big issues last year is I was my first full year um, well, of being completely healthy, where I had no issues, and then right around half halfway through the year, I developed this really bad uh, shoulder impingement. Um, and it was actually kind of right as I got called up here, so I noticed a trend just as the year went on. My velocity went down. My my pitches weren't as sharp, um, so I was struggling with that but still trying to be able to say, hey, I'm good to go out there and, and still try to attack the zone and all of that. So not having my best stuff and then transitioning into double A was definitely difficult. Um, so that's one thing I've noticed with this year. My, my arms felt healthier, um, knock on wood, of course. Uh, and I felt stronger and I've been able to maintain my health longer. So I, I just feel like when I go out there this year, I've had better stuff, been able to attack the hitter with confidence and I think that's what it takes. So was that something you needed surgery for, or what was the, uh, what no was the surgery? It, this impingement thing. Basically, what it happened was I've I've had Tommy John surgery back in college, and then went from basically 20 innings my last year of college where we had COVID happen, right? Um, into my first minor league season, 103 innings, and then into last year with 90 something innings, and uh, just that increased workload out of nowhere basically developed this like chronic issue in my shoulder and. And in the offseason, I had to just spend a lot of time on shoulder care, strengthening, and, and you know, work with some different PTs and stuff. And, and it really helped a lot to get it to where it is now. I also feel like my body's adapted to it a little bit, too. So, you know, because your body's amazing, it finds a way to, to do that. So um, I'm hoping it stays where it is and hopefully it gets better, you know, even better. And there's no such thing as a fully healthy pitcher. Yeah, right, exactly. I, I want to go back, like to your youth um everyone i talk to is like from the east coast and florida guys yeah. it's, it's yeah. nice to talk to sort of a western u.s guy <laughs> um you grew up 
I, you know, you were born in Arizona, but you grew up in Utah. Yeah. And I have established off mic with you that you do not know Ryan Jensen, <laughs> who not. amazingly went to the same high school as you. <laughs> what is? Which I had no idea. <laughs> I need to go do some research on that. That's sick. What is Utah baseball like? Because it's not a it's not a hotbed. Of, you yeah. don't find a lot of uh, pro ball players from Utah. Here's what I've noticed, and it's, it's actually funny. Uh, myself and another buddy, uh, Oliver Dunn, he plays for the uh, Harrisburg Senators and or not the Harrisburg Senators, the uh, Reading Fighting Phils. And uh, him and I played high school baseball uh, in Utah. And what I think he would agree is Utah has a few teams that I think can really compete in high school baseball versus, you know, other states. Um, and then there's a few that you kind of just run through as if, if you're on that team that, that does have those high-quality players. Um, I personally feel those top guys from Utah can hang with, with anyone. So I, I uh, like to throw myself in that in that uh, group, of course, uh, to be able to get where I am. But um, it, I will say this. It is difficult with uh, long winters to really – stay on track with those other you know California for example Arizona for example because you do miss out on those um, months of practice so it's usually around halfway through the year when you start to catch up to those guys and, and start performing at your best so where is Cottonwood is that sort of in the yeah. uh, near Salt Lake it's very close to Salt Lake about 30 minutes from Salt Lake City um, it's in my hometown called Murray uh, there's another school Murray High School but they share the same boundaries so Cottonwood was known for their baseball, so I ended up going there, um, and I got to I got to basically play under some really good coaches there that I felt ran their practices really, really well and way more advanced than I would have ever thought high school would have been. So I feel like I learned a lot from that time period for sure. Did Definitely you? missed swinging the bat too. That was a great oh, time. Yeah, that was a great time. Did you but. see when Chris Wright got to got to start in left field? Uh, oh my God! How ago? amazing was that? Well, he he hit in college, right? Correct? Yeah, so. He was a really good hitter. So, I mean, when we, me and me and one of my buddies on the team, Blake, were watching him hit this ball, we were just in awe. We were like, no way. I mean, that's the coolest. That's something you dream about as a pitcher for sure, getting that A-B and, and, and actually performing when you get the chance. Um, that's, that's amazing. Did you ever cross paths with, uh, with uh, Seth Corey? Seth Corey, yeah. Because so he was like a year behind you? Or? He, he was, uh, I think he's two years behind me. One in, in age, one year behind me in school, maybe two years behind me in school, not 100 in, in In high school, we weren't um, close. We didn't know, of each, we knew of each other, but we didn't know each other, if that makes sense. Um, but I would play against him. He went to Lone Peak High School. Uh, only time we really met up with them was in the like uh, high school championship at the end of the year. And I remember hearing the stories of him throwing 90 to 94 and in Utah that's pretty dang impressive you know and uh, and then you see how that guy's just a beast and super talented so I hope he's coming back from his from his injury and, and feeling good because I think he's incredibly talented and it's cool to have another Utah guy in the same organization so so, so then for college you go from Utah to Malibu which is a little <laughs> bit of a culture <laughs> yeah no it was definitely different for sure the weather was Oh my gosh, it was amazing. The weather was unreal. The views were unreal. It felt like a, a four-year-long vacation, basically, with with very difficult schooling. <laughs> um, but but I enjoyed I enjoyed the hell out of that. I really did. And and I met some of my best friends I've ever met uh, that that really 
um, get along with me and, and are more my speed than uh, you know some people back in Utah were. Uh, so it was cool to experience that, and those guys will be my long, long-time friends forever. You know, um, one of them is actually playing on the Bowie Bay Sox. His name's Billy Cook. Oh yeah. Um, having a great year as well. So it's it's really cool to see. Um, guys that I played with do well. I, I just feel like everybody in baseball knows each other. Yeah, like, it's you never so play any team and that you don't know it's, on. it's funny because I only know about four four guys, and it seems they're all in this league. <laughs> so, I mean, it's cool. It's really awesome, and, and I've had some really great experiences this year to go and get food with them when we're visiting or, we're, or they're visiting here, and it's, it's been great. So. so everybody who was in college in 2020 had weirdness in their career. Yep. You you were kind of in an interesting situation because you got drafted in 2019, yeah. chose not to sign yeah, to go back, yeah. and then there's there's no school and a five five round draft. Yeah, it was it was unfortunate because <laughs> um, the plan was to go back and and fully recover from Tommy John and, and then give my best year, and I was actually doing so. Uh, yeah, I felt like I was performing to the best of my ability that 2020 year, and our team at Pepperdine was the best we had been uh, all four years I'd been there. And so that was a really cool experience. And then for the season to get canceled sucked for sure. But here's the way I've been looking at it, um, and it's definitely a way to kind of um, flush those negative thoughts on that situation and and move forward, is I'm still so lucky to be playing because I had a bunch of friends on that team that, that, that year when we were performing that well that were playing the best they'd ever done season gets canceled and they never played another year or they went back to college one more year and then didn't get drafted like they would have and so I just look at the look at it as an opportunity and and hopefully take advantage of the fact that I'm still playing baseball I'm here in double a and and hopefully moving forward so I feel like you you're a guy who's always been described really San Jose Eugene here everywhere I go people talk about Will it's like a like a sneaky prospect, like a, yeah. a, a sneaky dude because you don't notice, so. you don't have the fancy stuff, <laughs> yeah. but you always put up the numbers. Yeah. Once, uh, tell me a little bit about what you think your strengths are as a pitcher. Yeah. Kind of give me a scouting report on, on Will Jones. Well, obviously I'm trying to get the fancy stuff still. Uh, <laughs> I, I feel like I've gotten better this year, developed some better pitches this year that have helped me to perform. Um, but I think the main thing that, that I – do maybe better or equal to some of the other guys that are performing well at this level or higher levels, I feel I locate a lot better. Um, I, I I try not to, you know, miss my pitches in the middle of the plate, and, and if I do miss, it's it's off the plate or close to the spot that I was aiming, um, and I think that gives me the advantage in, against the hitter because it's not just with my fastball that I can do that, it's usually with my other pitches as well, even though maybe they're not moving as nasty as some guys uh they are moving enough to cause that that uh hesitancy you know from yeah. from the hitter so um and get them uncomfortable so that's that, i think that's what i do best so you you say you're trying to get the fancy stuff you're obviously kind of referring to uh, pitch design yeah, which is a big thing in baseball yeah. these days what is that process actually like no um you start to learn about metrics uh with the the technology that they have here with the Giants um, and most minor league teams, major league teams have uh, a lot of it. I didn't even know, you know, about it in college or in, in high school. Um, but you start to learn about, you know, what those elite pitchers, elite pitches look like in the major league level, and how and why they get those major league hitters out. 
Uh, so you try every day to, you know, fiddle with grips um, and maybe fiddle with arm slots, stuff like that, to develop the best pitch shape um, and metrics on those devices that you can. So, I, I was just talking with someone um, who spends a lot of time in major leagues. And, you know, when you look at major leaguers, these are really massive human beings. They're all yeah. incredibly stacked, built, and that's something that the organization puts a lot of emphasis on too, just physicality. Yeah. Uh, how, how would you think you've kind of come uh, as a pro, and, yeah. and, and um, how do you work on your body? One, it? one thing for me, I've always been incredibly skinny. I've been that guy, like, back, in, back when I signed, I think I was 155, maybe 160, um, and, and putting on weight's always been a difficult thing for me, but um, I think just as I've gotten older as well, you know, your metabolism slows. Uh, but then with that, trying to make sure that you don't just gain fat, you gain right. muscle, lean mass by, you know, eating protein and, and making sure you, uh, you know, keep a consistent routine with it um, has helped me get to where I am. And, and I still think I have plenty of, of room to grow in the strength column and in the, in the uh, lean muscle mass uh, column. So... I'm hoping to increase those this offseason. So we're we're almost at the end of the year. We got a couple of weeks left. Hopefully another week or so after yeah. that. Where are you physically, and and what do you think is your your offseason plan as you start moving into the winter? Yeah, I'm, I'm just like I said. My my offseason plan is uh, my last two offseasons have been uh, mechanical focus, uh-huh. uh, meaning you know mechanic the mechanics of the pitching motion, trying to get that as honed in as I possibly can. But I think this offseason for me is is strength focused I, I really want to go somewhere where which I haven't found yet I'm, I've, I have some ideas um, but I want to go somewhere where I can increase my strength you know tenfold and, and and come back next year with that chip on my shoulder knowing that I'm stronger than I am this year and and still perform the way I did this year so hopefully that would you know mean that I would perform even better next year and throw harder and sharper movement and all that stuff that we've talked about so uh, that's kind of the plan for me this off season, and, and going off your first question, I'm feeling good right now, trying to finish the uh, season strong, um, and stay healthy, and you know, once again, knock on wood, you know, so, yeah, that's where I'm at. Well, I appreciate you taking a little bit of time to, yeah, to share, yeah. it's been fun watching you pitch, I, I can't wait to see how your career prepares Thank for the rest you so of much, I, I appreciate you having me on here again, and uh, have a good day. And there we have the last of my 2023 Noisy Dugout Batting Practice Time Player Interviews. Um, You know, I hope you really enjoy hearing from all the guys that I talk to. I think, you know, if you you watch the way this season's played out with, you know, with Fitzgerald coming up here at the end and really impressing, with Wade Meckler um, blasting through the system and and getting you the majors, um... Development is surprising. <laughs> you know, players can surprise you. Uh, a lot of guys get to the majors who weren't expected to get there, uh, and all it takes sometimes is is the right tweak, the right change, like Jensen was talking about. Find that little bit of sharper movement, and surprising things can happen. So, you know, all of these guys' journeys are important and compelling to me, and hopefully to you, uh, and and could lead to, to greater things. So that's why we love following their journey. And with that, uh, thanks so much for listening. I'll be back next week um, to talk to certainly Kerry Crowley uh, once again, and maybe I can find uh, another prospect writer to chat with uh, on a future There Are Giants episode. Thanks so much for listening all year. I really appreciate the listens and the support. Thanks, everyone.